0: We all have circumstances. <laughs> and those circumstances are called out by Paul in our text in Romans 8. As Brother Glenn Thompson so ably presents to us though, sometimes it's not the what in our lives that really discourages us, it's the who. It's, it's those who, who bring accusations or limitations to us in a personal space that really bring the level of discouragement that's devastating. But as Pastor Thompson teaches and preaches today, just as we can overcome any circumstance through Christ, we can also overcome the discouragement that comes through people, be it external to us or the person that we view in the mirror. Let's get into it. And thank you, friend, for joining us at Arlington United.
1: Uh, but Romans chapter eight verse thirty-one. These are scriptures you are familiar with, and and I, I thought I was familiar with, and then God started dealing with me about it. But He says, "What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us?" Isn't that a wonderful verse? Isn't that a tremendous? If God is for you, you don't have to worry about anything coming against you. I just that is so encouraging for me. Paul keeps writing, he says, He who did not spare his own son, talking about God, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? And there is a sermon that's wrapped up in just that alone, but I won't do that to you. Verse 33, it says, Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? I want you to mark this verse. He said, it is God who justifies. Amen. Who is he that condemns? Now, it's, it's kind of a repeat. And what I've learned is when preachers repeat, you've got to pay attention. And Paul says, who is this that condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, and who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. So both of those verses, 33 and 34, he says, hey, there's there's those that charge against God's elect, but you know what? You don't have to worry about it. God justifies, right? So they may be against you, but God is for you. And then who is it that condemns? Well, it doesn't really matter. He says the person that's going to be standing there, that's on the right hand, that, that this one that makes intercession, we're talking about this, this, the, the, the role here that Christ is, is that lamb slain from foundation of the world. He's making intercession. He already takes care of the condemnation. And so it's amazing verses. And then we get to the one that everybody just absolutely loves. You've probably seen it on bumper stickers, on on paintings, on uh, murals. You might have you done a crochet and even wrote it on it. I don't know. Uh, if not, Laura will help you do one. But verse 35, it says... Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And then it gets to that great verse. These are preaching verses. If you ever, you you know, you get one of those preachers that get up there, and man, they get to this verse and they they say that first part, and then man, they start hitting the hammer. They start hammering it, right? Tribulation is that going to separate you? Which is suffering. Affliction. Or how about distress? Will distress separate you? Will a crisis separate you from the love of Christ? Or how about persecution? Because that, that happens. Or famine, having nothing to eat. You know, we're talking about grain shortages right now. Or nakedness, which is really being destitute, having absolutely nothing anymore because everything is taken or everything is gone. Peril or danger? Or how about the sword, which is literally threatening you with death? Will will those separate you from the love of God? In verse 36, he says, As it is written, for your sake, we are killed all day long, all the day long, we are accounted as sheep to the slaughter. And in verse 37, he goes, Yet in all these things, guess what? We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded, Paul says, I, I've come to the understanding of this, and I live my life by this now, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor death, nor height, I'm sorry, nor height or death, let's do it right, order, nor any other cre- created thing or, or anything that God had created or creature new creation shall be able to separate us from the love of god which is in christ jesus our lord you know right there we could just stop and say that is that is enough that is amazing stuff right there that is absolutely amazing that nothing is greater than the love of god nothing now What's sad is that Paul was able to list many of the things that we battle with that often challenges the love of God in our lives in this world. And maybe what's sad is that, you know, in, in John, the Lord says in this world you're going to have tribulation. Now, I, I honestly thought as, I, you know, as you become a Christian and you become more mature as a Christian, that actually means you should have less problems. Wouldn't that be nice? have less problems. The closer you draw to Jesus, the less problems you have in your life. But Jesus even said, in this world, you're going to have tribulations. We're not exempt from these things, Paul says. These are things that come our way. Now, of course, Jesus doesn't stop there. He says, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So I'm reading these verses, and I'm thinking, Lord, this is, you know, this is amazing things, but what, what, there was a part of it that just got my attention. Paul's word choices. Because he starts with who shall separate you from the love of God. He starts with, you know, it doesn't matter who comes your way, God is bigger than those problems. And he's, and it's interesting because he chose the word who. Now, the word who there in verse 35 when it says who shall separate you from the love of Christ <clears throat> is an interrogative pronoun. And there's only five of them, so that's good. And this isn't an English class by any means. But, but an interrogative pronoun is, a, is, is used to help ask a question in a more easy format. And there's five of them. What, which, whose, who, and whom. Now, what, which, and whose, th- those ask questions about objects and sometimes people, but, but they can, they're either or. But who and whom, which we don't use a lot of nowadays. It's not King James time as much. But who are only questions about people. So it interests me because Paul gives us all what's. If you take a look at that, he says, who shall separate you from the love of Christ? Tribulation, that's a what? Distress, that's a what? Persecution, that's a what? Famine, a what? Nakedness, a what? Peril, a what? The sword? And so he goes through it, and so I'm like, okay, what's going on here? Now, I'm not, I'm not an intellect. Your, your pastor is probably one of the smartest people I know. He blows me away. There is no doubt about it. So I had to study a little more and say, hey, why do we have all the what's? But there's but Paul says, who? Now it's the same word as what in certain in, wherein it's translated to other places. In fact, in your New Testament, that same word, that Greek word, is translated as what? Over twi- twice as many times and more than who? So it, 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 the first question is, well, then did your translators just get it wrong? Maybe they just missed the problem. But when you read the chapter, you understand that that's not it at all. Paul wasn't focusing on the what's. The what's are there to build our faith. Paul was focusing on the who's. So my question is, who are the who's? If if Paul is talking about the who's, who are the who's? Verse 33 starts to answer that question. Remember, we said to Mark it, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? That's a who. Verse 34, who is he who condemns you? See, now verse 33, you could replace what, or who with a what, what shall bring a charge against you? And it might make sense to some degree, but you can't say what is he who condemns you? It is who is he that contemns you. So when Paul is saying who shall separate us from the love of Christ, he is literally talking about a who. The who's that Paul is talking about are those that convince you that you're not loved. The who's are those who convince you that you are unlovable. Now, I get it. As a preacher, that's like calling out from the Lord and saying, God spoke to me and said there's somebody in the church who has back problems. I get it. The reality is we all battle with that at some place at some time. It's not limited to an age. It's not limited to a gender. It's not limited to to circumstances. It doesn't matter whether you have money or you don't have money. The reality is we all battle with who's that try to convince us that God does not love us the way the Bible says. I mean, if he loved us, Though, like he loves others and we wouldn't have any problems. We wouldn't have such hard times, right? But what Paul is saying to you and to me in Romans chapter 8 is that is that we cannot allow the who's to blind us from the love of God. And see, that's the problem we got. Right now our world is spewing so much hate. I mean, where went the days... Of the songs that we have to love everybody. Just give them a Coke. I know I'm dating myself. You don't remember that. They don't. don't. Where are those? But the reality is, is that there's so much hate going on that the world, that there's a generation right now that is growing up and they're confused as to what love really is and how love should actually feel because we have had too many who's in this world to tell us that nobody loves you the way you are, nobody loves you unconditionally, nobody, not even God. So God made you wrong or God this did this wrong and so you just listen to all these who's And all of a sudden, you don't even know if you really are worth loving. You know, the problem is, though, that it's not limited to outside these walls. It also happens inside these walls. It's a lot closer to home than what we like to admit. I'm always amazed at how people who have been married almost... lifetime, it seems, can still feel not loved. But they can, because we battle with that. My wife was recently, uh, she shares with me the great thing she reads uh, as she's studying her to, to her next great challenge in life. But she was reading to me a statistic that read that when it comes to those who are desiring or needing a counselor in their life, compared the number of those that need that, compared to the number of counselors that are in the world, it's 800 to 1. Why? Because be, people are battling with, with self-image, with hurt, with pain because somewhere in this world they learned from some who that they are not lovable. They've learned to grow up not knowing unconditional love. Even families in the church. You can literally grow up in the church being, and be filled with the Spirit and, and be a believer in Jesus Christ but still struggle with understanding love and what it really is supposed to feel like. See, that's the who's. And what Paul... When Paul says, who shall separate you from the love of Christ, he's telling us, And he's warning us that when you struggle with love and feeling loved, the who's will destroy you a lot faster than the what's. And he's concerned that there are people, a church that he's never even been at. He's concerned that they are going to be overcome by the who's in their life instead of the what's in their life. Now, you can't say who's too many times without thinking of Dr. Seuss and the who's. That's why it reminds me of that Horton (laughs) Hears-a-Who. I know he got canceled, so some of you may not know who he is. But I do, because I'm old. It's pretty sad this year at camp. I realized I was the oldest person at youth camp serving. Uh, But... I know Horton Hears a Who, and what happens in Horton Hears a Who is Horton, the elephant, because he has these large ears, can hear better than everybody else that comes along, and somehow, someway, he hears a cry from help on a speck of dust. (laughs) And they're yelling, save us, help us. And Horton, after figuring out where the cry was coming from literally does save them. But that was the easy part. Because what happens is others in a very short period of time come along bringing their hate and the ugliness that's in their life. And because they can't see what Horton is hearing, they consider it to be insignificant. And so that's where the famous tagline from Horton Here's a Who comes from. A person's a person no matter how small. That's a good line. But I guess what amazes me in the book is, is how quick people can, and in that instance a kangaroo and monkeys, can, can hate. How quick they can produce hurt for those that are literally just trying to survive. And I've seen it time and time again. People that that overcome obstacles in life, that come to church, and, and as they come into the house of the Lord, it's amazing. They come in destitute. They come in with problems. They come with issues. They come in literally with, with, with uh, uh, nakedness in the sense that they have absolutely nothing. They come in with all kinds of tribulation, and they come in, and it's amazing because they'll walk to a front, to an altar, and God will touch their lives, and Put His Spirit in them. Give them the free gift of the Holy Ghost. And they'll overcome all of the what's in their life. Only to be condemned by whose? Whose? Whose that bring up our past? Who's that bring up our weaknesses? Who's that remind us of our failure? Who's uh, that tell us that that the love of God that you felt in the beginning won't last in your life uh, because you're unlovable and you're insignificant? And the reality is, is that every single person in here battles with that at some point. That's why Paul takes time and says, who is going to separate you? And that's exactly what Paul's doing. The what's, as bad as they are, are not your biggest challenge. It's the who's. It is the who's that convince you that God's love is not enough in your life. And then, once they get us convinced, we start to believe it. How can a perfect God love an imperfect person? How could God love someone That others would hate if they only knew our thoughts that nobody could hear out loud. If they only knew the struggles. If they only knew the the things we battled with when nobody else was around us. How could people, if people would, would hate us, how could God love us? And that's what I'm here today for. This one concept that the love of Jesus Christ is greater than any voice that tells you that you're unlovable. The love of Jesus Christ is greater than any who in your life. Amen. I, now me, I probably would be wise to give an altar call right there because our hearts, they, are, they begin to be touched and we let the Spirit move. But unfortunately, I'm a digger. I like to dig. And so my question is, who are the who's that are convincing me and are speaking to me and telling me I'm unlovable? Well, the one we kind of stated already, those that accuse you, those that judge you. Some of them, especially are, that are close to you, can hurt you the most. You never Strangers don't hurt you. I mean, they can, they can wave at you. Sign language, and you're like, oh, whatever, right? You go home, you tell some people, it's no big deal. But if, if the person closest to you, that maybe you, you, you trust the most, says something, and you, you question yourself, well, if, if that's what love is, and we begin to question it. I remember early on, when we made the move to Jackson as a pastor there, pastoring there, um, a conversation, we were had a young lady who was going through a divorce at that time and it it, it literally broke my heart because I remember as we were moving her out of her house, her husband was already gone, the house was going to be uh, sold and so we were moving her out as my wife was finishing up Handling her parts and doing things. This young lady stood on the other side of the car and looked at me. I said, it's going to be okay. And she just started to cry. I looked at her. And I said, you understand. They're not the ones that determine your value. Your value comes because God loves you, not because they love you. See, that's the problem. Thank God that we have the privilege to have human relationships that reveal to us what love can be like, but the reality is is the world around us, their love is not what truly gives us value because somewhere along the line they get unhappy or they get upset or they get cross with God. The tendency is for them to turn and to point out your flaws and tell you that you're not lovable. And so there are those who's that are out there. But there's one more type of who. And this is the who that hurts you the most. And that's the who that stares back at you from the mirror. (laughs) That who? (laughs) That's the who that says everybody else matters more than me. That's the who that tells you that everybody else has it together and your life is just pure chaos and you might as well just quit trying. That who says that, uh, uh, well... If anybody, if anybody knew the stuff that I thought about or I dealt with or I struggled with, if they knew they would have nothing to do with me, that a church doesn't really want me because if they only knew that I didn't really, I struggled with my faith, then they wouldn't really love me because everybody else in church is perfect. Didn't you know that? <laughs> Sit down a week ago. And with an individual. They were talking about the difficulties and the challenges that were going on in their life at that time. And I, I said, I, I, it kind of floored me at first, but I said, well, you do know that my life's not perfect too, right? And it was like a shock moment that really other people have problems than just me? You mean The pastor has his challenges and his fears and his worries also? And the answer is absolutely yes, we all do. But the problem is is that the who that we look at in the mirror that lies to us probably the most is the who that will convince you that you're less than everybody else (laughs) and that you don't deserve love. They do, but you don't. I want you to understand that Jesus loves you so much that he was willing to die on the cross. No greater love than this, that a friend would lay down his life. His sacrifice was not just a ticket to heaven. I hope we understand that. We, we think of the cross as being just the, 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 the past, the golden ticket that gets us out of, our, out of hell and gets us into heaven. But the reality is, is that the cross was his way of saying, I love you. I love you more than you even love yourself. My love for you is greater than the lies you tell yourself. My love for you is greater than those that condemn you, that say they love you. But when you aren't, when you're not looking, they're judging you and you can feel it stabbing you in the back. I'm here to tell you right now, He loves you that much. No greater love. So, who will separate you from the love of Christ? Well, there's only two who's. Those around us that speak ill, and then often we say to ourselves. It's amazing what God's word really says. Let me leave you with one more illustration. The music will come here in just a second. About halfway through the illustration. I, uh, I'm an apostolic. And I believe that when God fills you with his spirit, he gives you evidence. And everywhere we see that evidence in the Bible, it was speaking in another language. And so I, it amazes me uh, how he does that. But it impresses me at the same time in such a mighty way that at first, I had questions, but now I, 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 maybe I have blind faith with some of it. But it's not always been that way. There have been times where I said, is it really real? Because sometimes you can hear somebody next to you speak, and it's like, well, I think I've heard that before somewhere else. And so you question it, or maybe even yourself. Did I just, was I conditioned <laughs> to speaking in tongues growing up? But here's the thing, I have seen some amazing things happen in life. I've seen the death receive the Holy Ghost and speak in tongues. I've seen it. I mean, people who do not speak begin to fluently speak in tongues. I have seen that. I've seen people who could not talk at all, didn't have the ability. Not, just, not, that, not that they couldn't make sounds, they literally had, didn't have the ability to speak anything speak in tongues I've seen people who didn't even know what speaking in tongues uh, was at the time begin to speak in tongues so'm I'm, I'm fascinated by that 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 is absolutely amazing to me and I just I just want to point that out on the front end of this of this comment but it was this past uh, couple months my life was was changing in a pretty fascinating way at first, it was rather difficult, but it's amazing what God what God did. And so I was, I have a, an aunt, uh, Aunt Leanna, who I grew up with. She lived. Uh, her and Uncle Ray and my uh, cousins lived down the street from where I grew up. And so, if I wasn't at my house, I was probably down there. And we would ride our bikes and climb the apple tree and get yelled at to get out of the out of the creek, and all those great things, right? You know how it goes. But Aunt Leanna um, was of a different faith, similar faith, a Pentecostal faith, but a little different in doctrine. But she, had, she uh, had gone through some difficult times. Her and her husband had passed her for a little bit, and then unfortunately Uncle Ray passed away, and she was by herself. And um, life kind of continued on until one day I got this very interesting phone call out of nowhere. It was her. She said, hey, I've been reading my Bible, and I've been attending this church uh, here in town, and I want to know, would you come baptize me in Jesus' name? And I was like, well, yeah, that's an easy one, right? And she's been attending, she started attending one of our churches, one of the United Pentecostal churches, and so went up, baptized her, and and that was just a, a tremendous experience. But time went on, and over this past year, November, she fell, and the doctor had diagnosed her as having a stroke. told her to go home and let, let her get in do some healing, but unfortunately, that really wasn't the problem. The problem was Aunt Leanna had a tumor that was growing in, her, her, uh, in, the, in the frontal lobes. And she was battling that. It was actually pressing against her, the part of her brain that, that allows her to speak the linguistics aspect. And so she was unable to, or she, that was what was going on and unfortunately it caused her to be unable to speak incomplete sentences or fine words. And so she would work at trying to find words there for a while and then I got the call, being the family the family pastor, I got the call and it said that Aunt Leanna was going that she was declining and she was gonna to have to deal with hospice and they were gonna be putting her into a residential care, a care facility to care for her. Broke my heart. I knew she was ready, but it still broke my heart. So I made the journey back home. And when I got there, I don't know that I was quite expecting things to be what they were. We came into, the, I came down the hall, and there she was standing with her walker, because it, it was in between breakfast and lunch, and you did not want to be late for lunch. So she was standing there, and I remember that moment she looked up, and, and and all my life she's always been a giant. But that day I, I, I could feel the sense that I was much taller as she looked up, and there was a transition in my heart. But I leaned down when she realized it was me, big old smile, and I hugged her neck and loved on her, and we slipped into the room there where she was staying. And, she sit down in the chair and I pulled the chair up there and we begin to talk well reality is I begin to talk because she really couldn't even complete her sentences she couldn't get but maybe a, a couple words in and as I talked she would say oh yes 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 or if I would mention family she'd say doing good she would talk about them and I asked her, I said, have you been reading your Bible? She said, no, neighbor, I have a neighbor. Just somebody that would come and read her the Bible. And so she struggled and she couldn't get the words right. She couldn't get them out. She couldn't get them. She couldn't get the sentence structure in her mind. And she's such a strong person. But to watch her struggle at that moment was a challenge for me. She knew what was coming that didn't seem to, to frighten her. And I asked her, I said, are you okay? I don't know what to ask. I mean, what do you say? But I do care at that moment. And I said, are you okay? I said, what, you know, what's going on and she shook her head. And she looked down. She said, Can't pray. She was a prayer warrior. And she couldn't get the words to pray. She couldn't even come up with sentence structures to be able to pray out loud. You ever been to that place where you didn't, you couldn't even hardly say anything? Because you couldn't get words out. You didn't even know what to say. You didn't know how to pray. And here is a prayer warrior that, that has been that that has studied the Word of God and taught Bible studies and preached and pastored and knew all of these things. And at the end of her life, the thing that bothered her the most was her inability to talk to God. Can't pray. Can't pray. I looked at her and I said, I understand, I'm sorry. we talk a little bit longer and it would come back up, can't pray, can't pray. And that's about all she could get out. So here we are, she feels separated from God. She's alone because she's moved out of her home. She knows that the days are coming and she, she sits there as we talk and I just start to cry. Ah, big old tears coming down my face, she looks at me, she says, she grabs me, she says, see you again. Man, I'm just, big old tears. Just reliving it touches me, imagine at that moment. And time was getting near, it was almost lunchtime and I didn't want her to miss lunch. And I said, well, I said, Aunt Leanna, I'll, I'll go but I want to I pray for you. She oh, yes. Oh, yes. So she, she, she bows her head, and I get down on my knees, and I grab her hand, and I say, hey, I, I begin to pray. I said, God, I said, would you just touch Aunt Leanna? And, and, man, I did all the formalities. I know how to pray for somebody. I know you hit the right things, and you, you're sincere, but, but you're not going through it, so it, it, even though you care with all your heart, you know, you, you just try to cover as much as you can, hoping that you hit the right things. And in that process of praying, she begins to Jesus, Jesus, yes, Jesus. That's all she could get out. At least it was all she could get out for the moment because all of a sudden, this woman that couldn't speak, that couldn't do a sentence structure that couldn't express her feelings who couldn't even pray who was alone in a room by herself who knew that the end was near who who uh, couldn't had struggling with her relationship with Jesus at that moment as far as directly talking to him one-on-one at that very moment she begins to speak in tongues fluently in such a way you would not have known that there was anything wrong going on in her mind as she begins to speak out loud in tongues and I'm just seeing here and I'm thinking, Oh my god, you love her. Yeah. Yeah. The amazing thing was not the speaking in tongues, it was that Jesus, when somebody was down at their lowest level, would show up in a room and say, I am here to tell you how much I love you. Nothing's gonna separate you from the love of God not going to separate you. Nakedness, separation, destitute, a nursing home, a, a, a care facility, people leaving you alone will not separate you from the love of God. Nothing will separate you. Would you stand with me? I'm here to tell you today He loves you. You're not alone. You feel it. You wonder. But you're not alone. Would you bow your head? We're going to have an altar call before you do, though. I want the Spirit to speak. The Spirit's talking to you. You've been battling thoughts in your mind that you think make you weak. You've been questioning who you are and your value. You've been questioning whether God really loves you. Because if He did, why would you be going through the what's? And you've been lying to yourself in the mirror. You're saying, I deserve what I get. I deserve my problems. What did I do wrong? Well, I must have done something wrong. And so you're battling with it in your mind. And you're allowing the who's to lie to you about the love of God. If that's you today... And I know it's his whole house. We have an altar where you can come one more time and experience that love afresh. Would you join me? If you're at your seat, that's fine. But if you feel comfortable coming up, would, would you join me? But I'm here to tell you, you're loved today. You're loved. You're loved. You're loved. His love is greater than any what. His love is greater than any who. His love is greater today. Could you just talk with him? Could you speak with him? Jesus, I need your love today. I need your love today. Oh, I need you, Jesus. Come on across his house, he loves you today.
0: Well, Horton Heard of Who, the famous book by Doctor Seuss. But in our text today, Pastor Thompson challenges us through his exegesis and his wonderful sermon to pay attention to which who we're hearing. Is it the who of those around you that offer discouragement and limitation to you? Is it the who of yourself where you limit yourself and say that you can't do or be something for God because of what has happened to you? Or is it the ultimate who, the identity? in christ that one that is worth listening to that we're paying attention to today oh friend please don't allow those other who's to limit you don't be discouraged by the what's of what's around you but lift your eyes to the one who knows you best and loves you most thank you friend for joining us at arlington united